And your love is devoted Like a ring of solid gold Like a vow that is tested Like a covenant of old And your love is enduring Through the winter rain And beyond the horizon With mercy for today Faithful you have been Faithful you will be You pledge yourself to me And that's why I sing your praise Will ever be on my lips Ever be on my lips Your praise will ever be on my lips Ever be on my lips Your praise will ever be on my lips Ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. You father the orphan, your kindness makes us whole. Shoulder our weakness, strength becomes our own. You're making me like you. Me in white, bringing beauty for ashes. For you will have your bride, free of all her guilt, rid of all her shame, and known by her true name. And that's why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will. Ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. And your love is devoted like a ring of solid gold. Like a vow that is tested Like a covenant of old And your love is enduring Through the winter rain And beyond the horizon With mercies for today Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Healing for the Nations with a modern-day Samaritan woman. We are on a journey to the heart of the Father, and on that journey, we are walking with fellow sojourners. We are all together on the way to the wedding feast of the Lamb. So our bridegroom will be returning soon and very soon. So we need to make sure that our wedding attire is with without spot and wrinkle. And so today I'm super excited about the guest that I have on today. 
because they are down in the trenches helping people to get the spots and the wrinkles out of their wedding dress. Welcome, Jamie and Daniels. I just am really excited that you have joined me today. And so could you please tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yes, we run a singles ministry, online ministry. Jamie started Facebook group in 2017. As we started working in the group, we were seeing more and more singles were really struggling with healing and, and emotional wounds and trauma. So in 2000. 21 during a Labor Day, we decided, contrary to what we had initially felt called to do, we were just uh, convicted to run a healing retreat. And uh, we were started cold turkey, and it was uh, an amazing blessing. And we have seen lives change. And uh, so far, we've completed four retreats. We try to do a couple every year and uh, are just seeing more and more responses to people we reacting, learning, growing, and seeing things they've never seen before. And it's just been such an honor to be a part of this. And along with our singles group, we've had a lot of marriages come out of these singles, the singles group that we have. But we also noted with within those marriages that we started seeing divorces happening as well. And so we realized that it was important to us to help these singles walk through healing before they got married. These marriages wouldn't end in divorce. Because what we noticed was a lot of people, what they're thinking of is is thinking that they married the wrong person really was just a lot of childhood trauma in the mix of their marriage. And they were being triggered, not realizing that it was coming from these wounds that, you know, hadn't been healed. And they just thought, oh, I married the wrong person or, oh, he's this way or she's that way. So we realized uh, the father was calling us into helping the members of, of our singles group on Facebook to walk through healing before they married. I really love what you're doing. And what is so exciting to me, one of the things is that I was also recently called to create safe, small spaces for women to come and to heal their trauma. And so part of my background story is I've been married four times and the last three marriages, I begged my husband to get help. I engaged in 12-step meetings and therapy and whatever I, I could engage in to heal my own wounds. But here, I kept marrying wounded men who absolutely refused to get help. And so what I've seen in the Torah movement is a lot of brokenness and a lot of denial. I was abused as, as a child. I carried a lot of trauma. And we pass this trauma on, and we marry people with similar trauma backgrounds. And that starts the war. <laughs> you know, right. we, we trigger one another. Not, not that we mean to. It's just that we have all these what I call landmines that got planted in us by the enemy when we were little people and uh you know now it's it's no longer a holy matrimony it becomes unholy matrimony because it becomes a war zone right and as long as both parties are willing to put the work in because it does take both of us to do that daniel and i in our marriage that we've become triggered by the other as well but we realize that in a marriage, we come together and we better each other and we help the other one to grow. So being triggered, it is really difficult, but it gives us an opportunity to learn about those unhealed wounds. 
and it gives us an opportunity to be able to walk through that healing. Yeah, we find uh, something I will say or do will trigger Jamie and her response will trigger me. And then this, there's this spiral. And going, uh, as you were talking about earlier, when you're walking in trauma, you are choosing people that have the wrong habits, behaviors, and what have you. And so growth is necessary before you start a relationship. Yeah. And then one of the newer things we're adding is that that when you can heal as best you can before you choose the next relationship, you are going to still see issues. There are some things that cannot be healed outside of a relationship because you don't have those sparks. You don't have those incidents where you have to address a certain response or what have you. So it's important to do the work up front, but also realize it's not going to be easy, especially with two people with trauma past like we do and um, without having those interactions that are very difficult to to navigate. Right. I think as much healing as a person can do while they're single, you're going to notice that even when you get inside of a relationship, you're going to have wounds surface that you didn't even know existed before or, or ones that you thought you had already healed from. But once you're in a marriage, you know, it's those um, rocks that hit each other. They, after so many times of hitting each other and becoming triggered, they're going to smooth out and you're going to be able to work through it. There's things that surface after Daniel and I married that I thought I had already worked through and healed from. I'm learning that after we married, I'm realizing that there's so much more healing that needed to be done on my part. And it's a lot of work. And, you know, you were mentioning before about the denial part. And there's so many people in denial. And that's actually one of the points of trauma is that we do everything we can to avoid it, uh, uh, to avoid the healing. Because healing is very difficult and um, takes a lot of determination and resilience for us to walk through that healing. And so we put it off and we deny it and we repress the memories and we we use self-defense uh, mechanisms, anything we can to avoid that healing. Yeah. So, And another thing is we marry for the wrong reasons or yeah. we have the wrong wrong perspectives of marriage and so we think oh you fall in love everything's going to be wonderful and easy and you're going to have prince charming and you're going to have your your fairy princess and all those things and the reality is when we don't understand what marriage is and understand what's all involved we're going to be carrying a lot of false expectations that we're going to lay on someone else. Yeah, I really like that, the expectations. And, and I think growing up in all our culture, I know for me, I grew up with Cinderella and all these Disney movies that plant expectations of continuous romance and you know, that he's the perfect man or the perfect 10 for the woman. Then added onto that some false teachings about the roles and expectations of, of man and woman. So there's a lot of different things that uh, I call them snakeskin lies that need to be peeled off. So cultural things, the images that we have in our head of what the perfect man is or the perfect woman is and, and all these expectations of what marriage is. And there's just like layers and layers of different expectations. And I talk about um, healthy, reasonable expectations and unhealthy expectations. So it's really wonderful that you actually 
you know, address the expectations that we put on one another. And I just learned that these expectations, because I'm, I'm big on expectations. It's something that I've been struggling with. And the expectations that I realized I was putting on Daniel, I was putting him on a pedestal. And I didn't realize why I was doing it um, until recently. And it's actually a trauma response. When I put him up on a pedestal and I make him to be this great person, the reason that I'm doing that is because if he's this great person and he's going to make all these right choices and fill all these needs I have, then he's never going to reject me. He's not going to abandon me. He's not going to leave me because he's such a great man. And so that's me putting these expectations, unrealistic expectations on him to actually protect myself. And those expectations can actually work to push me away. Right. Vice versa. So it's, it's very difficult. And then the Torah community in itself does not have, as you mentioned, a proper understanding of the rules of men and women. The Ezer Konegdo, the Eshet uh, Ha'il, is, uh, Ezer Konegdo can be summarized, but is equal but opposite. It's a beautiful picture of what the father has made a wife to be. And a lot of times people choose the Torah community because they have a perception of laws of control. And so we see this mix in this culture of people who really get it and people who really don't. And that hurts a lot of uh, marriages with these wrong perceptions of what are the roles and how important is each role to one another. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, I have heard some horror stories about what's going on in marriages within the Torah community. It just it breaks my heart. But there's also hope in that the father is calling his people out of dysfunction into learning about uh, trauma, the different trauma responses. And we live in an age now where there is tons of resources out there, tons of information on the different kinds of trauma. I mean, you know, you look at the Bible, the 12 tribes of Israel came out of an amazingly dysfunctional family, right? <laughs> Yeshua was born into a dysfunctional family. And dysfunction has always been with us from the, from the garden. Trauma happened in the garden. There's nothing new under the sun. So here we're living in the last days, and the father is calling his, his children to walk these ancient paths, but to walk uh, a path of recovery, recovering our true authentic selves, who we are as a woman, who we are as a man, so that we can walk together hand in hand, doing war side by side, you know, having each other's back. And, yes. and if you can picture in your mind's eye that a man and a woman, a husband and a wife have each other's back, they're back to back, they've got each other's back, and, and they're warring against, under the covering of the Father. We have to come to a place where we're willing to surrender all those defense mechanisms that, that we learned as children in order to survive our dysfunctional families 
to surrender all those rules and rules and expectations that we've we've acquired and just put it at the feet of Yeshua and allow him to take control, take charge of the healing process. And this is not an easy journey. It is not easy. It's a very painful. And I think that's why a lot of people, like I worked in the field of recovery from addiction for many years. And, you know, the the recidivism rate within um, the alcoholism and the addiction field is, is astronomical. It's just like uh, the recidivism rate of offenders reoffending when they get out of prison is astronomical. And I think that goes to show that the foundation of the healing that needs to be done is not being done in those programs. And going back to what you were talking about, knowing who we are, that's a huge component that we add to our retreats that we do with our healing retreats because it's so important that we know who we are and whose we are who we belong to to be able to walk on the right side of that battlefield you know to put the armor on and fight for the right kingdom for god's kingdom Mm -hmm. and if we don't do that and we don't know who we are we're not going to be very effective in this walk one thing that i've i've come to learn through my healing is that i had grown up believing so many of the lies of the enemy that I wasn't able to believe the father's promises and his truth that he spoke about me and over me. And so in essence, I was calling him a liar and I was calling the enemy. He was telling me truth because those lies that he, that that I was told through people in my life, um, they became the truth. They became the truth that I walked in and I believed those lies and who I was. And it was exactly the opposite of the father and who he told me I was. So the identity is crucial in walking through healing it's just crucial well one of one of the things we always start with is it's okay not to be okay we started with a past we started with things that happened to us they do not define us and so when we let the first words out of our mouth saying it's okay not to be okay it gives them permission to breathe and then we talk about their trauma responses and we tell them your trauma response as a child was exactly what it needed to be for that time Mm -hmm. the problem is we've carried that trauma response forward so forgetting you know, things that happened to us that had a reason, but now, or, or building the walls that we did to protect ourselves that had a reason as a child, but now we're building walls as adults and now we're tearing down relationship as adults. And so knowing that you were okay with what happened, that it wasn't your fault, that this is your natural response was exactly what the father ordained. But now you're holding on to a response that doesn't work anymore. There's no need for that. So we're asking people to look at those responses. And you talked about laying things at the feet of Yeshua, but that's not easy. And so really understanding, giving them permission to breathe, then letting them know it's now time I, I use the uh, the uh, story of the paralytic man. It's now time to take up your mat and go home. It's time to say, I don't want to be on the ground anymore and taking small steps and moving yeah. forward. And even giving permission for people to slide back. Yeah. Because you're going to have Yeah, that's good. So we're actually out of time. Um, but when we come back, we are going to continue this awesome conversation with his husband and wife team. So we will be right back. 
Well, welcome back, everybody. This is the second half of Healing for the Nations with a modern-day Samaritan woman. So before we went on break, I was chatting with a husband and wife team, and this is a really important conversation that I'm having with the husband and wife. And I just want to welcome you back, Jamie and Daniel. So welcome back. Could you please share a little bit about who you are in your ministry for those that missed it the first half of the show? Sure. So we have uh, been involved in a singles ministry. Jamie started a online group in 2017. We actually married two and a half years ago. We were leaders in the group. And then uh, Labor Day 2021, we started our first healing retreat and saw some amazing responses, uh, amazing healing. It's just been a blessing that has been almost overwhelming with how the Father's prepared us and empowers us to be able to speak in this ministry. One thing we didn't mention last time is our focus of our ministry is vulnerability, and we lead by example. We, are, we never go into these things saying that we have the answer from you. We share with them our struggles, spare, spade, raw, and that gives them permission to share their hearts as well. And um, it's never something that we're the experts or we're bless you. It's truly modeling vulnerability in the process. Right. When when Daniel and I, well, we, we actually met through the singles group that we were admitting in and then we, we married and we didn't realize that the father had this calling in store for us and we wouldn't be able to do it as singles. Like he took us to the next step after we married. We didn't realize, like we had an admin retreat when we were still singles and we didn't want to really become involved in doing these healing retreats. And then the father had something else in store for us. <laughs> and so he um, he laid it on my heart that, that I, wa- I wanted to put together a singles um, retreat. And so much healing has come from those retreats. And it's been a huge blessing for us. And, you know, Daniel and I, we don't, we're not trained in this kind of stuff. You know, we just, we do this out of out of our hearts, love for the Father's people, and um, we just have a passion to help others walk through healing. And so it's just the Father's just been walking us through this and showing us what He wants us to do and and to share with people. And it's been a huge blessing um, for us watching others be able to receive so much healing. Amen. It's been a blessing. So I, I kind of look at it as um, being down in the trenches with with others. Or, you know, sometimes I tell people, okay, you know what, we're in this together. I might, I may be further down the road in some dumb aspects of the healing, but you may be down the road in, in other areas and we can just walk this out together because we are on this journey together to the heart of the father and no one is better. No one is worse. It's just that we've all have issues. <laughs> and I love that you operate out of vulnerability because people want vulnerability. People want authenticity. I think people are sick and tired of um, operating out of falseness. And, um, you know, so when, when I teach, I come from an alcoholic family systems theory and I talk about the rules and the roles, the roots and the fruit. And 
So some of this stuff is deeply entrenched, is deeply rooted, and it takes time. It's a process. There's no magical, you know, cure for, for this. And I like what you had to say in the last half, Daniel, about, you know, addressing the trauma responses because there's different trauma responses. There's the fight, flight, fawning, free. Yes, we definitely include those exact, uh, those exact items. We try to get people to really see what they're doing. And Jamie has a degree in psychology, and so she can share some of the things that happen in the brain. But yes, it's the idea that it, the self-protection, and it salutes to what I mentioned earlier, the self-protection was perfect for the time. But we keep carrying that same, you know, it's like if your only tool is a hammer, every problem out there is a nail. And so your, your problems are you respond with that um, issue from the past and you keep carrying that forward and there are more problems than nails out there. So your response, you know, take a look at how you responded here. Take a look how you responded there. You're going to see that you're responding the same way. Yeah. You're putting up a wall. You're putting a, a hedge of protection for yourself instead of letting the father protect you. And you are driving people away because of that response and and oftentimes blaming others because of your own response that you've been you know if, if i push him away then he can't reject me and i'm in charge that way i can't get my heart hurt so much that way because i pushed him away and then i could say see all men are the same mm. or vice versa uh, you know, it all, whatever your response is, you will reflect and, and project that on the other person. And then you will justify yourself again, not out of meanness, but this is all a form of self-protection because you are still that little child that was hurt. And you're still actually having a temper tantrum of a three-year-old. If that was when your trauma occurred, you're going to, you're going to respond as at the maturity level of where that trauma happened. And uh, it's very difficult to get beyond that. You can be successful in a job, in a, in a career, you can be making a lot of money, having a great impact on a lot of people, but you're still carrying the same responses because you haven't grown past them. I think it goes back to uh, surrendering to the father too, because through the surrender to the father, we were able to learn about ourselves. And when we become self-aware, we can start saying and asking ourselves questions, you know, okay, why did I have that response? You, why did I, why did I respond so greatly and have such an emotional reaction to something someone did or said when it doesn't match that if our response and our reaction doesn't match what was said or done, it gives us a great opportunity to, you know, have some introspection to say, okay, what just happened? Why did I respond that way? And then it helps us to find that wound and to heal from that wound. And then the next time it happens, we'll be able to get there faster. And um, and that's how the growth happens. In, uh, when Jamie and I first met and started becoming serious, I had asked her, if something happens, I, I want you to be able to judge my action according to what you know my character to be, rather than how I may be acting at the moment or how you may be responding at the moment. If you think my character is a good character, then 
it should be more difficult to assume that my intentions are bad. But it's easy because of the trauma to jump to that assumption that the intentions were bad because they've been bad with every other person I've been with before. It's how our brain responds. It's what we know. We play those narrative tapes over and over and over. And our brain responds with what it's been trained to respond with. Um, and, and as Daniel said, we're children and we learn these these defense mechanisms. We carry them through into our adulthood and we continue to respond that way. And they're not serving us any, any longer. So we have to be able to let that go as we learn and change our response to people. Or at least take a step back and try to learn a pause, to take a pause and self-reflect and say what's going on. It's so important to be able to ask yourself questions and to realize, you know, when a trigger starts, what does that look like? And every person is different, of course. You know, you could, I, I sometimes will get this feeling in my stomach and I'll start to feel warm and I'll, I'll, my heart starts racing and, um, and I can realize, you know, that's the beginning of a trauma response and that's the fight or flight. My body is literally gearing up for a response to protect myself. It's, it's survival. Mm-hmm. And when we go into that survival mode, uh, we basically have the, this animal instinct, our brain, um, take over. And then our logical brain shuts down. And so it's almost to the point where we're not responsible for what we say. And I'm not saying that that's the truth, but that's what it seems like. Because our, our logical and reasoning brain will shut down so that our when our fight, and, our fight or flight takes over um, and we're in survival mode, we can get past that, you know, that danger. And that's what the father has created in our in our brains. So it's not a bad thing. We just have to learn how to navigate through it. And as you learn to do that, you know, you grow and you heal from that, your responses will change slowly. But we have to give ourselves grace and, and be patient with ourselves because it's not an easy process. It takes time. One thing in, in our relationship, Jamie in many ways is a fighter and I'm a runner, right? The flight is my my primary method of uh, managing conflict and yet flight makes jamie think that i have abandoned or rejected her and rejection is one of her critical wounds so here she fights i run she feels rejected and it, that spiral just keeps going and so we found throughout our uh, marriage that we were we had our honeymoon period we had uh we had a major trauma event and then our traumas seemed like they were getting more and more frequent but they were lasting less and less long and now we're at a point where we still have them but they're not lasting nearly as long and the intensity i think is starting to die down it's a beautiful thing to be able to walk through all of those hard things and then share them with others mm-hmm. because our trauma is serving a purpose what we went through we're able to share that with other people and help them to walk through their healing so what the enemy meant for evil the father's turning around for good yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I find that true in my own life. You know, everything that I've gone through um, and and then went to college and, and, you know, obtained a degree and I've done a lot of different trainings. And now at 63 years old, I, I'm just pouring, pouring out um, to help other people. And I love the scripture that talks about how we comfort others as God's comforted us. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's 
it is indeed using our gifts and our talents, well, all those life experiences and education that we've obtained to once again, you know, come, come alongside of other people that are really struggling. And what I think is really beautiful is that the two of you have, you're committed to one another. You're committed, you know, you've made that covenant to one another and you've covenanted um, with the Father. And mm-hmm. so you are doing this work and it's hard work, but it's rewarding work. And you've, you've got each other's back and you are such a beautiful example to other people that this work can be done, that these marriages can work if they're both willing to do the hard work that it takes to shed those snakeskin lies off from us and to be all that the Father created us to be as he knit us together in our mother's womb. And, uh, wow, what an example the two of you are. I just, I love it. I think it's beautiful what the two of you are doing. So could you tell me, um, and the listener, the different classes that you have, and please share with people how they can get a hold of you and how they can be a participant in one of your retreats. Right. Well, um, our the, the structure of our retreats ha- has changed as each time. But like we, like I said, we start with um, we, well, we start with what they uh, I, t- I call it a uh, sculpture story, and it tells about how wherever we are in our walk is exactly where we need to be because the master artist is working on us, molding us into his creation. And we talk about uh, we talk about identity. We talk about the father's love. And basically, that's how important it is to to understand our relationship with our Father in Heaven, especially for those who have had um, very dysfunctional and abusive relationships with their earthly father, because that point um, is a point of conflict and dysfunction for every other relationship you're going to have in life. So we talk about healing. We talk about triggers. We talk about how trauma affects our brain. Um, we talk about self-defense mechanisms. We talk about... Um, you know, walking in integrity as singles. We talk about Daniel and I get very vulnerable and honest about our marriage, about struggles that we've been through, because we believe that creating that, that place, that safe place for others gives them the opportunity to know that, that they're not alone. And then they can speak up and they can talk about their past and their trauma and their abuse and, and heal from it. Um, we talk about the Ezer Konegdo. We talk about the Zakar. Uh, we talk about the lies that we believe, uh, why we believe those lies, what are they? We name them and call them out, and then we replace them with truth, the truth from the Father. Um, we talk about spiritual warfare and how important that is to put on the armor. Um, let's see. We, we have a lot of praise and worship time also in, in the beginning, in the morning, before we begin the day. And then at the end of all of this, we do mikvahs. As long as we're at a house, which I try to always get an Airbnb that has water available um we we jump in the river and we have a mikvah and we wash all that ick off uh from the retreat and it's just beautiful it's such a uh, 
healing thing to do. And it gives us a brand new fresh start and they get to take all of that stuff home with them. Um, so it's, we start Thursday evenings and we go until Monday morning and we just pack so much information into those days where they learn, they grow, they heal. We cry together. We pray together. We cook meals together and eat together. We have game nights, karaoke. We do lots and lots of fun stuff. It's just a true blessing to watch people transform even in just those three days. So as far as joining, um, I do have a Facebook event. I also have the Facebook group. I advertise it a lot throughout, you know, different groups I'm in in Facebook. We also have a website. Um, with our ministry name, which is Zelem Elohim, and that's T-S-E-L-E-M, um, Elohim, E-L-O-H-I-M, ministry. Um, so the, the website is actually ZelemElohim.com. And on there, they will find information about Daniel and me, um, our mission, what we're doing, why we're doing it, and they'll be able to find ways to connect with us and um, find out about our retreats. Awesome. That is so amazing. And I just love what you're doing. So unfortunately, we are out of time. But I want to thank you so much. Thank both of you for taking the time to come on and share your hearts and, and uh, share the ministry. So with that, I'm going to say shalom. Shalom. Thank shalom. You so much. Thank you. Yeah, yeah.